I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3, Post Media's Canadian News Podcast. As NAFTA talks between Canada and the U.S. roll on, suggestions grow louder that we roll back on supply management in our farming sector. That has met with fierce resistance in Quebec, and the issue has become a flashpoint in that province's ongoing provincial election. We look at what's at stake and how the Liberal government's fortunes hang on the outcome of these talks. It's Thursday, September 13th. Rene Brumer is a journalist with the Montreal Gazette, and he's been following the Quebec provincial election. So, Rene, if Canada decides that to get a NAFTA deal done, they have to make changes to supply management, the system of quotas that kind of regulates uh, dairy and egg and poultry production in provinces like Quebec and Ontario. Uh, what is the potential backlash here? Uh, it's fairly big, actually. It's funny because it's, uh, I would say supply management was completely a non-issue before uh, the first two weeks of the uh, campaign. Uh, but but how it sort of worked out now, it, it sort of, it, it comes down to a lot about Quebec's um, ability to self-regulate, you know, or its identity as, as uh, a province that can can look after its own affairs. And and so in one state, uh, for the incumbent premier, the liberal premier, uh, Philippe Couillard, um, the argument that has come up has worked quite well in his favor because it, it allows him to position himself. Remember, I am uh, the premier of Quebec and, uh, and I am in charge and I'm the one you need to look to for leadership. And there's, of course, you should vote for me. Um, the other side of the coin, however, and especially as you mentioned, because there have been rumors that Canada's willing to give up some concessions on dairy, is that it could make them look weak. And and the opposition leaders, particularly uh, Coalition Avenir Quebec, uh, François Legault is a leader, uh, CAC we call them for short, um, they've already been slamming Monsieur Couillard, saying he has no power with uh, Monsieur Trudeau, he has no power with Ottawa, so this is an example that you need to get rid of the Liberal Party and and vote for a new and more nationalist party. They you know they have sort of positioned themselves in a more nationalist party that will fight for the the needs and wants of Quebecers. So the leader of the the main opposition party, he says that Cuillard doesn't have strength or a good relationship with Trudeau or the ability to to be strong on this issue. What tools does he have in his belt to deal with it any better than the premier does? Well, that's a good question. Well, he says that, uh, you know, given it, it vote him into power, actually, he said one point because that question was asked and he said, well, one thing is a vote for me alone would show that how important this issue is to Quebecers and how uh, important self-rule is to Quebecers. And, and so given that sort of symbolic power, it will give him the power to go to Justin Trudeau and the federals and say, uh, federal government and say, look, uh, this is very important to us and we want to recalibrate or do what we can to, uh, to protect our dairy and poultry farmers. Now, you were saying that this kind of gave uh, the premier an opportunity to show some strength or change the channel on uh, the election campaign. How is he trying to position himself as the big defender of the Quebec agricultural sector here? Well, in, in, it's interesting, actually, for Mr. Cuillard, it's uh, it's 
a really important question in that he, he's polling quite well with or very well with uh, non-Francophones, uh, Anglophones, new immigrants. And so he gets 70 percent support. But among Francophones, he's not polling very well. And, and a lot of the Francophones tend to be in the more rural regions, you know, around Montreal and, and outlying regions of Montreal. There's a lot of mixture. Most of the immigrants, 85 percent of immigrants come to Montreal. There's a lot of Anglophones here. Um, but in the rural regions, it's almost um, it's overwhelmingly French and it's obviously overwhelming agricultural. And, and so even if you're not in the agricultural industry yourself directly, you might be, um, you know, you might be a transporter or your neighbors are farmers. And so you feel strongly about um, uh, protecting them. And so Mr. Criard has made a point right from the start of actually hitting the regions um, quite a bit. I, I, I don't even know if he's been in Montreal yet, or if he has, it's been very uh, briefly, but for the first three weeks, he's been in the region. So, um, so it's been very much, it's actually getting played up a lot in his campaign that we are we are here to to support them. We're already in power. We're in a position uh, to support you and we will do whatever it takes. He's already said that the political consequences would be dire for any government that was to, um, say, give up concessions on dairy farming. And uh, and he also mentioned, uh, you know, of course, his federal elections are coming uh, just next year. And he said, I would not want to be, say, a federal MP coming into a rural riding uh, after the federal government had given up um, uh, given up some of Quebec's power over, over supply management. Now, is this a case where we're talking about an issue and an industry that is getting perhaps more acknowledgement than the than their size would indicate like how big is the the agricultural sector and the dairy industry here compared to the the full economy in Quebec yeah that's a good point because you know as i said it's not something we heard very much about before and outside you know, we talk about protecting the regions, but all of a sudden, you know, dairy farmers who we don't actually talk about that often on a day to day basis, uh, although supply management does come up from time to time. But but as you mentioned, I think agriculture in Quebec and, and these are rough estimates, so bear with me. But agriculture in Quebec is roughly seven to eight percent of our overall GDP. So not a, a big number, but not huge. And and that, in fact, might be we're taking in sort of all food transformation. So not even just agriculture, but it's all food transformation. And then the the dairy farming aspect of it uh, is actually of our agricultural output is fairly large. It's about 30 to 35 percent, so almost a third. So dairy within agriculture, very large. Agriculture in our overall economic picture, not very large. Um, but in our symbolic makeup, uh, very important. And actually, you feel that when you when you go. I was on the Liberal bus uh, for about 10 days following Monsieur Cuillard around on, on our media bus. And, uh, you know, it, it's all cornfields and, and forests and, and soybeans these days and uh, dairy farms, of course, and small dairy farms. That's another aspect, too, is that it um, uh, in Quebec, they tend to average around 70 or 80 uh, you know, head of cattle. And he says, you know, whereas in America, you're going to have these huge mega farms, mega conglomerates, basically, that will that have taken over the industry. And that's what we're risking here if we give away. So again, a loss of our identity, um, you know, uh, as in most places, but particularly, I think, in Quebec, this, the idea of our founding was a colonialist who came over and, and got good strips of land along the St. Lawrence River and started to build from there. And so we're going back 450 years. And, and it's really an element of our, our biography that a lot of people hold dear. And so so to challenge that, um, 
even though I think most people don't really understand supply management or know much about it, or they, they probably know more now, uh, it hasn't come up before. But to challenge that is really kind of going to the basis of uh, Quebec's foundation, in a sense, and, and of course, Quebec's uh, right to self-regulation. And now that um, the sovereignty issue is is off the table for the first time in a provincial election in, in Quebec in uh, 40 or 50 years, almost, um, uh, this is sort of another it's almost a, it's sort of a mini sovereignty debate, you know, in, in terms of it, how, how much power do we have to control our own outcome? And the other parties, the Parti Québécois in particular, and, and Monsieur Le, um, Legault of the CAC are, are trying to use this strongly too to say, look, we are better positioned to, to protect Quebec. So I would imagine that all the party leaders across the board, the Parti Québécois, the CAC, the Liberals, and I know there's a fourth party, but their name escapes me at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. Quebec Solidaire. There yeah. you go. Uh, it's that everyone is kind of, all the leaders have come out strong to say, we are behind the dairy sector in Quebec. That where is there any wiggle room? Like are, are is it is it just a case of the liberal government won't defend you like we will or are there any variances on positions on this issue you know the legalities of it are, are all sort of you know provincial government said we will take the federal government to court and fight and we have room within uh, you know, the legal system in order to do so. What exactly they can do, they're sort of vague on that, which is not, not a good sign, I suppose. And so all the parties are a little vague on that. Uh, in terms of what you said about the parties coming together, though, that's a good point, because what we saw about a week and a half or two weeks into the campaign was a sort of unprecedented move where all these party leaders who are um, fighting against each other for supremacy uh, actually came together in a united front uh, to say, look, uh, we're going to stand together in the midst of a political election campaign um, we're going to stand together and say we we stand together on this the funny part was that they also managed to do it when the leader of uh, uh, coalition near Quebec was about seven hours north in Shikutumi so he couldn't he couldn't make it to the, the press conference at the last <laughs> minute that was called it pretty much at the last minute in Montreal and uh, there were some political machinations going on about that obviously too and so he ended up sort of stranded out in, in way off in Shikutumi and he I think he had to do a conference call with the with the farm from a farm um, uh, in the morning before that press conference, and uh, um, and and so look at that. So yeah, so it, it, obviously everybody's kind of come on board, and it's it's become a very strong symbolic um, movement here. But um, uh, at the same time, how much wiggle room? I don't know. I, I, another aspect is that there were concessions made, you know, during uh, talks with the European trade agreement and again with the Trans-Pacific agreement. And so there's mm-hmm. this sort of sense where it's like, look, we're getting, it's, it's getting carved away piece by piece. And every time it's a little harder for us to, or for the dairy farmers, sorry, to protect uh, what they have, you know, and, and they say uh, the union here to put it in perspective says, look, it employs directly or indirectly, indirectly 116,000 people, you know, be they in transport or transformation and so on. According to wow. them, I haven't had the chance to verify the numbers, but they say that the dairy industry here is um, on par with the uh, auto sector, uh, on par with the auto sector industry in uh, Ontario, 
you know, so it's uh, for for us, they say it's it's very important. And and it should be mentioned, too, that Quebec has about 5000 dairy farms who produce half the milk for Canada. Um, but Ontario is not far behind. They have, a, mm, I think, around 3500 dairy farms and theirs tend to be a bit larger. So uh, their production is almost similar to ours. And they're also uh, protected by supply management. So, you know, it's, it's not just a Quebec thing. We'll be right back. I want to tell you about a discount we're offering exclusively for 10.3 listeners on all post-media digital subscriptions, so you can get access to more great reporting on the NAFTA talks and their implications across the country. When subscribing to the National Post, the Montreal Gazette, Ottawa Citizen, Calgary Herald, Edmonton Journal, Vancouver Sun, the Regina Leader Post, or the Saskatoon Star Phoenix, just enter promo code PODCAST and you'll get 50% off a one-year digital subscription. It's a great way to stay informed. Again, that's promo code PODCAST. How has this issue changed the campaign? What what did the election look like it was shaping up to be back in August when uh, the writ period started? And, and how has it developed since then? Yeah, well, definitely at the beginning of the... Um the, uh, the the campaign, it was a campaign about change. And so largely because the Liberal Party have ruled in Quebec for about f- almost 15 years, almost interrupted. We had about um, a year and a half of a PQ government back in 2012, a, mi- a minority government. And so, but otherwise it's been all Liberals. And so there's sort of a, a sense in the air. It's like, we need to try something different or, you know, uh, we're tired of them. And that's what the other parties had been uh, focusing on um, greatly. Um, it, it's become interesting, actually, in that uh, another large aspect of this has become immigration has become a big issue here in Quebec. And uh, it sort of plays a bit into the nationalist card here and the, the underlying fear of as always, a Quebec losing its French identity, you know, this sort of this island of French in a huge sea of North American English. And so that's always been, you know, part of our issue. Now, with sovereignty off the table, um, the CAC, for instance, is using they, they've actually want to limit the amount of uh, immigrants who uh, come to Quebec by 20 percent. So instead of getting 50,000 a year, they would drop it to 40,000 a year. They argue that um, uh, they're not being well integrated. 25% of our the immigrants who come here end up going elsewhere for better job opportunities or because their mm-hmm. families are somewhere else uh, or that they don't learn French very well and so they never integrate well into society. Um, and that that's what they say, by the way, whether the numbers, there's been other studies that show that the numbers aren't so uh, cut and dry. And, you know, if you're an immigrant coming to Canada, Quebec, you have to put your kids into French school by law. Yeah. Um, so unless you put them to very expensive uh, private schools. So so it, it sends first generation perhaps might not be become fluent in, in uh, French, but the second generation um, generally does. And so, but what it's interesting, what Monsieur Couillard is doing is going out to these regions, all these regions are, you know, these strawberry farms or blueberry farms where uh, 60 or 70% of their employees are not technically immigrants, but they're on sort of these, you know, they're from other countries, Mexico often, uh, um, or, or Central America on, you know, these sort of uh, work visas so that uh, because we can't find enough people to to pick the produce and, and do this work at relatively low wages, a minimum wage, you know, $12 an hour. And and so Cuillard has been saying, look, you know, you've got my opposition who wants to limit immigration. And, I, and we've got all these farmers, including dairy farmers, who desperately need employees. We need immigrants. We need 
need people to come in and, and work on our farms. And so that sort of, yeah, farming has become uh, a little bit unexpectedly uh, a fairly large um, portion of this uh, campaign. Now, has the premier been able to play any of these issues to his advantage from a polling perspective? Is Has he gotten any bump from trying to be a strong defender of supply management, trying to strike a somewhat nationalist tone as opposed to what the liberals traditionally would be um, the more federalist party, even if they took strong stances on Quebec's interests? Um, does Couillard gain anything out of this or is he still getting hit? Yeah, thus far, it doesn't seem so. No, we've been doing sort of regular weekly polls. And um, I'd say the the CAC were starting out around 38%. And then the Liberals were, let's say, at the beginning of the camp, uh, campaign around 30%, which would give the, the CAC a, a comfortable majority uh, on our 125 seats in the National Assembly. And <clears throat> of late, the Liberals had a bit of an upsurge towards in the beginning of uh, the campaign. And they've had a very sort of stable you know their whole message is look uh, we've been in power or my uh, mr Cuillard's administration has been in power for four years we managed to uh, balance the books uh, we have uh, we have no more deficits we used to run quite large deficits now we don't quebec's economy um is doing very well whether that's all there you know because the liberals are not is <laughs> to be disputed but uh, uh but they said look we've been in power economy is doing well don't don't uh, shake things up and um and so, but in the polls, and that seemed to be working for a couple of weeks in the last poll we had, uh, I think the CAC is holding steady and the Liberals have actually lost a couple of points. Um, wow. and, and that seems to be a, a little bit more of, uh, there's a lot of undecided in this vote. Incredible. I think a historical number of undecided show how close it is. Something of 45% of voters, you know, who are, who are polled said, well, but we still could change come election day. So, so it's actually quite a, it's quite a rabid fight. It's kind of a fun fight out here. And, and so, and then there's, um, we're seeing that some uh, other parties like Quebec Solidaire and Parti Québécois, who are both nationalist parties, interestingly, uh, are getting, uh, doing better than they had been. They're polling stronger. And, and that seems to be a question of, Again, of people who are saying, OK, well, um, you know, I still don't completely trust the liberals, federalist, as you mentioned, liberals to protect our interests. So who else is out there to do so? And then, you know, historically, it was always a party Quebec. What was that choice? And we also have Quebec Solidaire, which is also a separatist party, a very socialist party. Um, and too. And so they're gaining some traction, I guess, amongst these uh, slightly confused or undecided uh, voters at this point. So. It's not hard to imagine that if between now and Election Day, if a deal on NAFTA comes down that has concessions on supply management, even though the premier would have no say in the matter, that he could take a hit even further in the polls with a deal getting done. Voters may just kind of lock in their support for one of the other three parties. That's it. Yeah. It, no, it looks uh, it would make them look weak um, in the eyes of many. And uh, and and so I think they're they're quite concerned about that, obviously. And uh, Mr. Cuillard is generally a fairly soft spoken individual. I mean, he's a neurosurgeon and yeah. and, you know, he's not he's not a, a huge orator. And but on this, he's, he's really trying to hammer home. And so you can see one, the importance of it and perhaps the fear as well that, that this could take a. Uh, uh, quite a bad turn for him. Interesting on, as I mentioned, something that normally doesn't isn't a large speaking point in our political campaigns, but this uh, this year round uh, has become one. Well, there's plenty to watch for in the next couple of weeks. Renee, uh, thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. 
here's what else is happening this week. The Humboldt Broncos took to home ice Wednesday for the first game since a semi-truck hit the team's bus in April, killing 16 and injuring 13 people. Commenting from a caucus meeting in Saskatoon, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said all of Canada was behind the Broncos. Quote, To the people of Humboldt, know that we are with you. Know that we will continue to support you as you heal. End quote. And protesters descended on the Ontario legislature on Wednesday. They were there in opposition to Premier Doug Ford's plan to use the notwithstanding clause to override a court's decision blocking plans to cut the size of Toronto City Council. The heckling was so raucous that the Speaker wound up tossing protesters and most of the opposition from the House. 10-3 is produced by Carson Jarama and Carrie Ann Sprawl. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening.